Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your listening convenience. November 17th, 2020. John Malone, is Roku the scaled global gatekeeper to streaming video? The streaming wars between an ever-increasing array of direct-to-consumer streaming services, Netflix, Prime Video, Apple TV+, Disney+, Hulu, HBO Max, CBS All Access, Peacock, Stars, Showtime, Pluto, Tubi, Roku Channel, Zumo, etc., remain top of mind for investors. However, we remain far more focused on another set of streaming wars between tvOS platforms, devices, and streaming apps slash programmers, as we examined in our July 2020 War for the Living Room post. At last week's Paley International Council Summit, Liberty Global CEO Mike Fries interviewed Liberty Media Chairman Dr. John Malone. The full 30-minute discussion can be found here. Unfortunately, it cannot be embedded due to the antiquated Yahoo tech. One of the most interesting parts of the discussion was when Malone spoke about the relationship between programmers and platforms. Malone starts off talking about platforms such as Amazon's Fire Stick, Roku, and Apple TV, when Freeze interjects, or the cable box, essentially highlighting how the cable box can also be a bundler of apps. Liberty Global offers apps such as Netflix and Amazon Prime on its set-top box, as does Comcast's X1 in the U.S., essentially similar to how the MVPDs have historically been a bundler of channels. But Malone quickly pushed back, saying, The problem with the cable box is it lacks global scale. Okay, It lacks global scale. So Mike Freeze, with his relatively large footprint in Europe, can demand things, but he's, he's a, a small percentage of the target market. Malone then goes on to explain the power of effectively being the connected TV gatekeeper, the way MVPDs were effectively the channel gatekeepers over the past 20 to 30 years. As we think about his statement, Roku's already begun to extract rents from resident applications like Hulu, Peacock, and Tubi in the name of value-added advertising. Roku keeps a share of each app's ad inventory for itself to aggregate and sell for itself. However, we begin to wonder if there's a path for Roku to extract value from mostly all the applications on its platform in the future, regardless of whether it is advertising or subscription-based, or even when Roku does not initiate said subscription. Roku has 46 million monthly active accounts, and Amazon said over 40 million for Fire TV in early 2020. Could 100 million be the magic number? It's unclear. But leverage is clearly growing as their monthly users scale. Does it evolve something like the Apple App Store? Okay, where uh, you know you got to pay to play. Yeah, you know, much of the revenue going through the, uh, is going to be extracted, or how much of the ad time, if it's ad supported or or whatever, is going to be extracted by the owner of the platform. Yeah, and that's going to function how big and unique the platform is. So if, if the platform provider can capture a large enough global scale of, of, uh, of consumers who are essentially using it as a bundling agent, right, as an yep. intermediate, yep. then they're going to have market power over the suppliers of the content, uh, and, uh, and they will emerge to use that market power to get a pricing or, or access differentiator and they'll build a business based on it. I think the reason you see so much market cap flowing 
to Roku right now is because they seem to have developed an independent, separate public company platform that is becoming essentially a channel store of scale. While pandemic-induced content delays have clearly hurt the launches of Peacock and HBO Max, there's no doubt in our mind that lack of distribution has led to underwhelming performance, awareness, usage to date. Peacock recently got on Roku and HBO Max, launched on Fire TV today. But each is still missing one large platform, and Apple TV Plus is still not on Google TV or Android TV. Programming Programmer apps should be increasingly concerned with the long-term economic cost of scaled gatekeepers. We suspect Netflix, YouTube, and Prime Video, and maybe even Disney Plus due to its brand, are already too large for this to matter. Remember, the top three represent two-thirds of time spent on streaming TVs, as we detailed here, meaning you cannot be a tvOS platform without offering these apps. But for everyone else, the leverage of the tvOS platforms far outweighs the importance of individual streaming apps that are lightly used. Can content force a platform's hand? This makes it even more important for apps and programmers to put their most compelling content onto streaming to reduce the power of the tvOS platforms. Legacy media companies are trying to balance distribution of their content across an array of platforms, with streaming being just another outlet, as we discussed in our November 2nd post, media companies must self-cannibalize or merge to enable the full pivot. This is even more important in situations where platforms and apps are at an impasse, such as Roku and HBO Max and Fire TV and Peacock. We had hoped that Warner Brothers would use Tenant direct to HBO Max to force Roku's hand, but they opted for theaters, unfortunately. They now appear poised to take a different path with Wonder Woman 1984, which would be the biggest direct-to-SVOD movie of all time from a major Hollywood studio. We'll be interesting to see whether great content and an aggressive marketing campaign around it can move the needle in a programming distribution battle in the streaming world the way it historically has in the channel MVPD world. Why does cable even bother with video anymore? This whole discussion also made us think about why cable companies even want to be in the video bundling business. What drives cable company valuations in 2020 and beyond is their broadband prowess, not packaging channels or even apps. Why not simply offer third-party devices, whether it be Roku, Fire Stick, Apple TV, or Chromecast Google TV devices, and let consumers pick a VMVPD such as YouTube TV, Hulu Live, Sling, FUBU, etc. Let tech platforms that build the best-scaled TVOS platforms provide video to consumers, driving up demand for ever-higher-quality, more-expensive broadband, and remove all of the costs around multi-channel video. MVPDs can become paid marketing partners for those devices as well, and the new oligopoly of video gatekeepers would be happy to pay for preferred status as they fight each other. This sort of feels inevitable, even if cable companies are not yet ready to admit it. Sure, Comcast has some interesting pieces to try to compete, but X1 still feels far behind its non-MVPD tvOS competitors. The one about Netflix at the Liberty Global board meeting. Finally. While Malone said he was a buyer of Fang X Netflix, did not appear concerned by regulatory threats, especially given challenges of regulating global platforms, he said both Disney and Netflix were overvalued in contrast to his love of cable, charter, and discovery, nothing like talking your own book. Despite not, ha- not loving Netflix's stock price here, Malone, similar to his Roku comments on the power of global scale, recounted a story from 2011 
where he foreshadowed the power of Netflix's global platform power. You invited Reed Hastings to come to a Liberty Bowl board meeting and and assured us all that he had no intent intention of producing uh, his own content or of competing with the video services of the cable industry, to which I responded to him at the time, bullshit. Okay. It was clear where he was headed. Uh, and if, if he didn't understand that, he was going to figure it out. Subsequently, I tried uh, when I was chairing uh, DirecTV to acquire uh, uh, Netflix because I knew it was going to be a home run at that point. And that was when he was struggling with uh, getting rid of his old uh, uh, mail platform. Uh, so what, what I saw was global scale. 